This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where Coach Bobby Bowden is being honored today. The body of the legendary FSU coach will lie in state in the historic capital from 10 until 1 so the public can pay their respects. The family is asking that in lieu of flowers, contributions be made to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The governor is dropping hints that the state may resume daily COVID reports. They cut back to weekly reports back in June, just before the summer spike began. But now the governor says they can probably use those county-by-county breakdowns. You know, those are reported publicly, you know, every day um, to the CDC, so people have access to that. Uh, but in terms of the uh, breaking it down by county, you know, that may not be a bad idea going forward. I know we used to look at that a lot. But House Democrats want more than just a maybe. They want the numbers. When the governor expressed this morning that it may be a good idea, well, Governor May is just not good enough. When you're talking about close to 40,000 people um, that have died in our state um, from COVID, and we have this new Delta variant that is more contagious than um, uh, prior um, uh, strands of the virus. But until the state starts publishing the numbers again, Nikki Fried says you can always count on the feds. Uh, according to the CDC, um, because the state still has not reported the numbers, um, there were 24,753 new cases reported yesterday. The governor has launched a new program to treat COVID victims with Regeneron. And for once, it sounds like he's taking the Delta variant seriously. You know, we're the most vaccinated state in the sun, in the southeast. Uh, and we've got over 85 percent of seniors fully vaccinated. Uh, but yet you see with this Delta variant, more contagious, very easy uh, to transmit. And it comes really in waves. The governor's office is also conceding they really don't have the authority to withhold the salaries of school board members and superintendents who voted to impose mask mandates at local schools. Today on Sunrise In-Depth, we look at vaccine hesitancy and how to talk with people who won't get the shot. When you're trying to convince someone to take the vaccine or wear a mask or engage in public health-related behaviors that are both protective for yourself but also for the community, yelling at someone or doing finger wagging and things like that. First of all, it's not helpful, but it, it and it just doesn't work. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of three Florida men who used a shark to open a can of beer. And now the top stories on Sunrise are Friday, August 13th. This is International Left-Handers Day, National Prosecco Day, and National Blame Someone Else Day. On this date in 1942, the Manhattan Project began. Its goal was to deliver an atomic bomb. In 1990, American soul singer Curtis Mayfield became paralyzed from the neck down after stage lighting equipment fell on him at an outdoor concert in Brooklyn. In 1997, the first episode of South Park aired. And on this date in 2004, Hurricane Charlie, a Category 4 storm, struck Punta Gorda, Florida and devastated the surrounding area. As the pandemic shows no signs of slowing, the governor says it just might be a good idea to return to the daily reporting of COVID casualties. Ron DeSantis says the virus has spread through the state unevenly, and it might be helpful to have those county-by-county -county breakdowns again. As we've seen, uh, we've had a, a, a wave of infection, but it has not been uniform in terms of when it really started. It started in northeast Florida before other parts of Florida. Um, and then some of the other parts of the state I think that the, the, the growth has slowed, but they may not have necessarily gotten past that. So we'll look at that. Uh, I think it's, it is a huge state. 
And I think that these, uh, these waves are not necessarily uniform in terms of how they do. But I would just point out, I mean, you know, with like these daily cases, you know, those are reported publicly, you know, every day um, to the CDC. So people have access to that. Uh, but in terms of the uh, breaking it down by county, you know, that may not be a bad idea going forward. I know we used to look at that a lot. Clearly, you can follow where the, the hospital admissions, you know, have been. And if you look back to last summer's wave, and compare different parts of the state. You know, here is the where in Northeast Florida they've had the biggest increases over and above last summer, compared to say Miami-Dade, which hasn't necessarily reached their their hospital admission level that they had last summer. So those are important things to know. And obviously the community, you know, people should just be aware when when you have higher prevalence, uh, whatever types of personal mitigations you want to take, you obviously will be able to do it. You know, we're going to see the um, you know the, the current wave. You know, it's going to go. We're going to see that in, in, in the different parts of the Sun Belt, including Florida. But it's not going to go. COVID's not going to go away. We're going to have future, I think, uh, 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 trends. That's just natural. State Representative Ramon Alexander of Tallahassee says it's good that DeSantis is considering releasing the numbers. It would be better to just do it. When the governor expressed this morning that it may be a good idea, well, Governor May is just not good enough. When, you, when you're talking about close to 40,000 people um, that have died in our state um, from COVID. And we have this new Delta variant that is more contagious than um, uh, prior um, uh, strands of the virus. Um, we have an obligation to make sure that we're doing every single thing possible. We are in a state of emergency. The governor has not declared a state of emergency. Uh, and we have to get away from trying to decide what is and what's not and take ownership for our responsibility as a state. And our leaders have a responsibility to do that. So uh, May is not good enough. I know the governor mentioned earlier that it may not be a bad idea. Are you kidding me? I mean, we're in a place now where uh, this variant is ravaging throughout our state, uh, record numbers and hospitalizations. And so the reality that it may not be a bad idea, I think we have to do better as a state because people are being affected by it. It's like, um, going into a football game and trying to make halftime adjustments and you're down 70 points, but you're trying to make those adjustments at the end of the game. It's too late. The game is already over. And so it's our responsibility to recognize that we are behind in regards to our response in a responsible way to ensure that we're doing it um, for the best interest of all Floridians and not trying to control a political narrative uh, to be successful in that regard. We need the governor uh, to have less ego, and we need more we go. We need the governor to ensure um, that we are taking every single step possible to release the information so that we can respond and make the necessary adjustments to move our state forward. State Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith of Orlando says the current system of releasing the stats once a week at the end of the day on Friday just doesn't cut it. The statewide numbers that we see on the weekly report are not enough. Uh, waiting until Friday at 5 p.m. for a huge data dump to find out what transpired in our state over the last seven days uh, is not is putting us at a disadvantage. Uh, and particularly for our school board leaders, they need access to this daily information uh, so that they can make adjustments as they see fit based on real-time trends that are happening on the ground in our backyard. Again, the statewide numbers are not as helpful as you would think. If you're trying to make decisions 
about what the local positivity rate is in Orange County and how active the virus is being transmitted in our area. What's happening in Miami-Dade or in Jacksonville or in Tallahassee is not the best, most accurate information about what's happening right here in our area. That's why we need that detailed information. So while, uh, I mean, I, I hope that what Governor DeSantis just mentioned to us earlier today uh, is a preview of some sort of, of change that's happening, but I'll tell you right now, when I submitted a records request over two weeks ago to get this exact information, which is detailed daily COVID reporting, the same type of reporting we used to have throughout the pandemic, the Florida Department of Health rejected that public records request, and they said the data that I was looking for was confidential. But that data wasn't confidential back in June when the state was releasing new COVID data every day. The state hasn't released the daily numbers yet, but Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed got the latest numbers from the CDC, and we are still a hot mess. Uh, according to the CDC, um, because the state still has not reported the numbers, um, there were 24,753 new cases reported yesterday. And as of we, at this moment, we also still don't have updated hospitalization numbers for our state today. But yesterday, per HHS, there was 15,449 Floridians hospitalized with COVID-19. 90% of our ICU beds reported being occupied. 47.6% with COVID patients. We are really seeing concerning trends across our entire state. Because of overflowing emergency rooms and ICUs, Brevard County had to ask the residents to consider other medical options before calling 911. These are terrible decisions that no one should have to make. We all need to do our part to get this virus under control. That's why I'm asking you, please go get vaccinated. We'll continue to have the same message every single day to go out, get vaccinated, wear masks, social distance, clean your hands. We know how to beat this virus. The tools are in our capacity. I know that many Floridians are keeping an eye on Tropical Storm Fred this week. Getting vaccinated now is even more important with hurricane season ramping up. The last thing you want to have to worry about is if you are, vac if you are evacuating your home and getting COVID at a hurricane shelter. Our governor also refuses to institute mask requirements in shelters. So remember to bring your masks if you have to evaluate, to actually have to evacuate. Duke University recently released a new study that showed that masks are the next best thing to getting vaccinated. So as you prepare for hurricane season ramping up, be sure to get your vaccinations and be prepared with emergency food, water, masks, and medical supplies in advance. Unfortunately, we're also seeing some alarming trends all across our state now that schools have been opening. That just now was reported that there are 444 students in Palm Beach County who have been quarantined. And without options of virtual learning, we're gonna start seeing additional trends and our kids falling behind, especially when you also have family members and parents who are not gonna have the capacity to stay home from work when our children are being sent home because of quarantining. The governor's been accused of dropping the ball on the COVID response, spending time in other states fundraising for his next campaign instead of focusing on the problem at hand. So he's trying out a new priority. DeSantis is pushing monoclonal antibodies for people who've already contracted the virus. 
It's not just in the in Florida or the whole South. It's all across the world. You look at Israel; they're one of the most vaccinated countries on planet Earth, and they're having their biggest uh, wave of infections that they've had throughout the whole pandemic. Uh, obviously. Florida, other Sunbelt states, but even like Hawaii, very vaccinated. You know, we're the most vaccinated state in the sun in the southeast. Uh, and we've got over 85 percent of seniors fully vaccinated. Uh, but yet you see with this Delta variant, more contagious, very easy uh, to transmit. And it comes really in waves. And so as we're looking at that and say, OK, vaccination is clearly helping reduce serious illness. It's reducing your likelihood of being hospitalized. Uh, but you also have people who are being hospitalized. So, so what tools do you have that makes the most sense? And one of the things we've been talking about recently is doing monoclonal antibody treatments such as Regeneron. We've done that in um, different hospital systems have done it. They're doing it here in Northeast Florida. Uh, but it was something that the more we talked about it, the more people had questions. A lot of people had not even heard of it. And so we see an effort to be able to supplement that effort here in Northeast Florida and other parts of the state. We'll have additional announcements very soon, uh, partially to be able to get more people in. Uh, and we're going to bring in a lot more Regeneron into, into Florida, which I think is important, uh, but also just to raise awareness that this is something, this is the most effective treatment uh, that we've yet encountered for people who are actually infected uh, with, with COVID-19. And the way it works, I mean, the, the, the core group of people that benefit from this uh, are folks that are at the most high risk uh, for severe illness from COVID-19. So elderly people, people that have certain comorbidities, you know, kidney problems, uh, diabetes, morbid obesity, immu immunocompromised. Uh, this, if applied early and properly, has the ability to reduce your likelihood of being hospitalized uh, by 70% in clinical trials. And for the first time, Governor DeSantis seems to be taking the Delta variant seriously instead of just trying to pass it off as a seasonal thing. Uh, remember, we were promised that they would end the pandemic, lockdown, school closures, mandates, and it just hasn't done that. This is a very transmissible uh, virus. The, the last iteration last summer, you, someone got infected, they'd likely infect one or two other people. This one, they're infecting more than that. It's airborne, it's aerosolized. And so we just have to understand that when that's happening, these waves uh, are something that you have to deal with with early treatment. Because it, you, we could sit there and say, if we shut down schools, no one would, it would go away. It won't. That's not true. It would be very damaging to society to do that and to our communities. And so early treatment, I think, is probably the most effective thing you can do. Obviously, if you're, if you're um, higher risk and you want to avoid certain situations, you want to take personal mitigations, by all means do that. But just understand with how contagious this is, and we're seeing these waves in other parts of the world, and you will see them in other parts of the United States as the season changes. The fact of the matter is there's going to be a baseline level of exposure to folks in the community. And so let's just make sure this is out there. Let's make sure people have opportunities to be able to do it. I can tell you, it will absolutely make a difference in reducing the number of people going to hospital. But it doesn't mean you don't do some of the other stuff. I mean, I think if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you still do this if you're high risk and you get infected. But of course, the hospital census and you look, I mean, those are pretty, that's pretty strong data that we're seeing across Florida of the folks who tend to be admitted to hospitals now and how that's different from last summer, you know, when we didn't have the widespread vaccination of our elderly population. 
Regeneron works pretty well if taken right after you're infected. The sooner the better. But it's not a vaccine, and there are significant numbers of people experiencing vaccine hesitancy. Dr. Carol Biggs is the head of nursing at Jackson Memorial in Miami, and she's heard all the excuses from people who will not get a shot. The reasons range from a mistrust of the healthcare system, mistrust of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, a lot of people still saying they want to wait and see, you know, what happens. Um, not uh, a lot of folks saying, you know, I don't know what the long term effects of the vaccine may be. And of course, there is a lot of, you know, erroneous information uh, on the Internet. So we do um, offer a lot of uh, opportunities for people to speak to uh, all of us at Jackson, physicians, nurses, and otherwise to try to debunk some of these myths. Um, one of them um, I'll speak to, for example, from the uh, black community um, is that because, you know, a lot of people cite the um, Tuskegee uh, um, issue that happened many, many years ago. And what we try to um, explain to folks, uh, for example, with that one in particular, is that the issue was that care was denied um, the black men that had syphilis. And, you know, it's really um, ironic that now a lot of uh, folks are denying them self-care um, with, uh, in getting this vaccine, which, we, which as we know right now, is the only thing that we have to prevent this um, disease. So uh, this virus from invading your body. And uh, for the, from the nursing perspective, it is disheartening in the sense that nurses are on the front line and the amount of care that the nurse must provide to patients who are, you know, especially in the critical care units uh, with COVID, you know, it's really immense and it's troubling to see the agony that patients go through. So we really want to get the message out there that, you know, get vaccinated, ask the questions, whatever your reasons for not doing it yet, you know, please, we're here to answer all your questions. So I just want to say we are here for you. Dr. Stephen Safran is an expert in behavioral change, and he says you won't be able to change anyone's mind by trying to shame or blame them for not getting vaccinated. He says you have to listen to them to find their specific objection. It's called motivational interviewing. And what we see in COVID is that there's a lot of misinformation out there that just when you go to the internet or you go out there, you'll see basically so many different theories of what it is or what it does the coronavirus even exist or is it is it really as bad as it as it seems or as people are making it out to be and and frankly politicians politicizing that you know kind of saying things more for political reasons instead of public health reasons and that can really undermine the public's trust in science and in what real medical professionals say so the, the biggest thing I would say, I mean, the most starting, the most important thing is is the issue of um, information. But that's not the only thing. I mean, you know, um, another thing that is really important is that when you're trying to convince someone to take the vaccine or wear a mask or engage in public health related behaviors that are both protective for yourself, but also for the community, like yelling at someone or doing finger wagging and things like that. First of all, it's not helpful, but it, it and it just doesn't work. Like you can't, you know, if you if you're in the airport and you see someone not wearing a mask, wearing, hey, I'm not vaccinated, and you start, you know, yelling at them or calling them names or something, you, 
that's not going to get them to be like, oh, okay, now I'll go get vaccinated and wear a mask. You know, what we find is that really trying to elicit from the person their reasons for wanting to engage in these kinds of behaviors, whether it's altruistic, whether it's self-protective, whether it's for their family, but doing um, a type of counseling that we call motivational interviewing, which is a non-judgmental type of counseling to try to get people to resolve any ambivalence that they have about changing. So um, some people might be ready to change. And in that case, you can really help them with skills to find vaccines or transportation or whatever barriers they have. But someone that's not willing to change you're not going to be providing skills or giving them a ride. You're going to be more asking them about, okay, well, you know, what's important to you about this? What, what makes you hesitant? What makes you think that you might want it? And, and hearing those answers and helping them, like I said, resolve their ambivalence is probably the best way to get people to maybe not get the vaccine the next day, but to have them go through the process that slowly they'll hopefully be hearing more accurate information, reaching out to more trusted medical professionals that they trust that are basing their opinions in science and then making their own accurate decision. Miami Lakes Mayor Manny Sid used to be vaccine hesitant, but he got his shot recently. And the number one reason is that he talked with a doctor he trusted. So yeah, I, I, I was definitely hesitant. I, I was from the get-go in the pandemic, I was out there in the community. I was exposed from day one. Uh, the entire discussion at the beginning was was about seniors, was about people uh, in, in their later phases of life, that they were the most vulnerable in our society. Fortunately, we saw uh, with that variant, right, the alpha variant at the beginning, that uh, really wasn't impacting a lot of the, the, the young folks in our community, but it was having a major impact on our seniors. So that's why when vaccines first came out, the entire push was to get our senior population vaccinated as soon as possible. Uh, so when it became available to my age group, I'm 37 years old, um, I did some research. I was definitely hesitant, specifically when we saw that it's still under emergency use uh, from the FDA. And, and fortunately, we know that the FDA, hopefully very soon, will be uh, approving it fully, which I know is going to have a great impact uh, on folks that are still hesitant. But one thing that I did, and I, and I highly recommend it, I, I went out, I, got, I tested my antibodies. I had no antibodies. Uh, and seeing the Delta variant, when I sat down with my doctor, I, I called close friends of mine, nurses, uh, other ER doctors, my pharmacist. Uh, they all told me, Manny, pr protect yourself. Uh, this Delta variant is, is no joke. Make sure you, you, you get that uh, shot in, that vaccine in as soon as possible so you can start building up those antibodies because we don't know how your immune system will react uh, to this Delta variant. So I, I tell folks that all the time, don't read what you see online, don't read what you see on Facebook or what you hear, talk to the people that you trust. Talk to your doctor who you trust every day for your care, talk to your pharmacist that you trust, talk to your neighbors that are nurses, that are doctors. And, and that's what really gave me a lot of comfort. But yeah, and it was very important for me to share my story and I know it's already made a difference in, in a lot of people in, in their decision-making uh, process. Mayor Sid, Dr. Safran, and Dr. Briggs were the featured guests in a community conversation on vaccine hesitancy presented by the editorial board of the Miami Herald.
One final note on the COVID kerfuffle. The governor's office now concedes he does not have the authority to withhold the salaries of school board members and school superintendents who decided to impose a mask mandate in schools. DeSantis made that threat after school boards in Alachua and Broward County chose to ignore his emergency order banning mask mandates. Your calendar of events, the Board of Dentistry meets at 7.30 in Maitland. The Board of Osteopathic Medicine meets online at 9. The State Acquisition and Restoration Council meets in Lakeland at 10. The Miami-Dade Refugee Task Force meets at 10. And Saturday is the deadline for lobbying firms to file their reports showing compensation from April to the end of June. Finally today, three Florida men filmed themselves holding down a shark while using its teeth to open a beer. The footage was uploaded to Wyatt Dallison's TikTok page. It shows one man grabbing the animal by the nose to hold its head still, while another throws a tin at its teeth while the shark writhes and shakes its head to try and dislodge the can of Bud Light from its jaw. More than 62,000 people have watched the unpleasant footage, and most have slammed the behavior. It is against the law in Florida to remove that protected species from a habitat, as their gills must be submerged in water to allow it to breathe. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. (laughs) 